0: Uh, throw oh, him in the deep and see if he swims. <laughs> <Short time>. Exactly.
1: <laughs>
0: or at least floats.
1: Yeah. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to Beam Radio.
2: Welcome back to Beam Radio. I'm Steven Nunez. Really excited for today's show. We have some really incredible guests. Uh, first, we'll start by introducing the panel today. We have Lars Pickman. Hello. There he is. I want to give a quick shout out to the sponsors. We've got Groxio, Career Fuel for Programmers, and of course, Underjord. What do you got going on at Underjord?
0: Yeah, right now I am actually pretty open for new opportunities. Um, so if you need someone to do uh, a lot of experimentation in Elixir, or if you need someone to really get in and do thorough work, uh, me and some of my colleagues are potentially available. Uh, you can find out more about us and what we do at underjord.io. So underjord, as the Americans say, .io. I think
2: we'd say underjord. Uh, yeah. You're it's, the guy. From, the you're the underjord the, guy, right? It's the one with the beetroot. Yeah. <laughs> the beetroot. And the cool yeah. wisps, which love I love on your website. Week, man. Love the wisps. Um, <laughs> that, that's well-
0: the best part of that website. <laughs> if it goes on Hacker News, you can go in and you can hit uh, magic enabled, and then you can see how many Hacker News visitors are currently on the
2: site and where they are. Yeah, I think there's some pretty good articles on there too. You know, Wisp's yeah, yeah. top tier. Then you know the stuff that you're there for. Well, awesome. Let's dive Counter right in. The secondary. We- Presentation is everything. <laughs> That's true. That's true. An axiom, if I've ever heard one. Um, yeah, I wanted to dive right in. Uh, Lars, you're uh, you are leading today's panel, so I'll hand it over to you.
0: Yeah. It's very exciting. This is the second time that we've managed to reach deep into Ericsson and pull out some of the developers that work on the runtime and the language and the standard libraries that we all rely on. So we have two members from the Erlang OTP team with us today, which is very nice. I think we might have grabbed one of the OGs, really old timers have been there for a decent while, and the newest one, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it's my pleasure to introduce Ingela, or as I like to say Ingela SSL Andin. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you. And Kiko, I got the surname here, Kiko Fernandez Reyes, is that
3: fair? Yeah, exactly. Thank you for inviting me. Uh,
0: You're know, both very welcome the way we usually do it around here is that we ask uh our guests how they got into the beam and maybe we start with you kiko um how did you get into like erlang the beam and what led to you working with the erlang otp
3: team working on the language itself um i i think that that would be my time uh, working at uh, Klarna, which is a payments company truly really big in Sweden. And when I joined the Klarna in this case, uh, I was uh, writing code in Haskell and Erlang. So I, I was one of the few people in the team that knew quite a bit of Haskell because of my doctoral studies. Um, so, then uh, initially I started a bit with Erlang, but little by little I was more pulled into writing uh, services in, in Haskell. And then at, after a while I, I wanted some kind of change. And um, again, due to my doctoral studies on programming languages and functional programming, concurrency, actors, and so on, uh, just working on Erlang is actually like the dream that you would say I, I had, right? And this case I applied for an open position and Without too many interviews, um, I, I got the job, so then I got to, to work in Erlang and OTP and learned the language also a bit, little by little, because I, I don't think I'm that much experienced.
0: So how long have you been with Erlang OTP team now?
3: Uh, one year and one month or two, something like that, I think.
0: All right, excited to hear more about that experience, uh, but let's see. So. Ingela, how did you get into this, and how long have you been with the Erlang OTP team now?
1: Oh, um, good question. Uh, well, uh, actually, um, uh, I had a, I had um, I never used dialogue before I started to work for Ericsson, uh, but uh, I worked for Ericsson for like twenty years now, uh, and uh, in the beginning, uh, I-, I didn't work for the Erlang OTP team uh, in. Um, in, in, well, I actually, I, I studied computer science at Uppsala University. And uh, I was like, uh, uh, I will probably want to work for some small company and not a large one, uh, I thought. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but I, I really liked functional programming uh, during my education time. Uh, and uh, so we had this... Uh, uh, Day at the university uh, when people from the industry came and talked about what they were working with. Uh, and there was a, a person from Ericsson uh, that worked with Alang, and I thought that sounded really interesting. Uh, so, so that's really how I got introduced. Uh, and then I worked for Alang uh, Systems, as it was called, uh, which was uh, a predecessor to alang Solutions. Uh, so it was a consultancy and training organization within Ericsson um, to teach and uh, help out with Alang programming. Uh, so that's where I started to work. Uh, and Francesco worked there at the time. So I worked with Francesco. And uh, then uh, I did that for a couple of years. then Ericsson decided that this wasn't the, their core business. Uh, and then... Uh, Francesco started Erlang Solutions, and I uh, started working for the OTP team.
0: That that matter of small versus large companies uh, is kind of interesting. I think I've heard people go, oh, but no really big companies use Erlang, right? Because people don't (laughs) really know that much about Ericsson. Ericsson is a fairly large company.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is.
0: (laughs) If that needs stating.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it it does, because at the last Island conference, uh, somebody told me like, oh, I'm so surprised that uh, such a small company would uh, uh, make a programming language. And I was like, small in compared to what?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what larger sort of participants there are in like the telecom space. Necessarily, like I know Ericsson is a major provider, Mm. like across telecom. Um, Mm. But like dev tooling and that kind of end of things, that's not where they're most visible. Like to the modern developer, I think uh, they might not hear of Ericsson as much as they hear about like Amazon's and Google's and all of that. It's it's kind of more infrastructure.
1: and I I suppose Google is bigger than Ericsson, but, uh, I I assume I don't know, but, but uh, I, I I can't I can't say that Ericsson is a small company because it's it's not. <laughs> uh.
0: So how has it been, sort of working, on Erlang and OTP, and for you Ingela, how has it changed over time? I imagine it hasn't always been the same.
1: Uh, it has no, a fairly no.
0: storied past.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, well, it has changed. Uh, uh, I, I think uh, we have changed our ways of working in many ways. Like we use a lot less proprietary tools now than when I started. Uh, we uh, we are more open or more transparent to the open source community. Um, and we also have... Uh, I think uh, stronger requirements on contributions now, uh, both internally and externally, which I think is uh, is a good thing, uh, and it uh, helps us have uh, better quality and uh, yeah better quality and more consistency over time. Uh, I think.
0: Yeah, Kiko, how has how your experience sort of diving into the the team and starting to work on Erlang been? Uh? Was it all you expected it to be? Or has it been has it been vastly different from
3: you expected? How has it been?
2: Do you miss Haskell? That's the real question.
3: <laughs> At times, I'm not going to lie, to be honest. I miss my types. So yes, in some sense. But uh, I'm hoping that we can improve the typing part of Erlang uh, as well. So we'll see. Uh, no, but my, my experience is that um, usually when you start, you get assigned someone that is guiding you a bit uh, throughout the code, questions, the organization, how do the meetings work, and so on. So you, I think you have plenty of help to start. But uh, this is also like everything. When you start, maybe you get uh, a few tickets that maybe are good for you. In in my case, it was something about uh, data races in FTP. I don't think it's the easiest thing to, to solve, but <laughs> uh, and even, even less when you, you, you know a lot about functional programming, but not specifically about how Erlang works internally or how to debug things, let's say that. But so then it was a bit tricky, I think, to to start with. But uh, I got help also from Ingela and, and Dane, which is my mentor. And yeah, I'm really happy
1: to be honest.
0: Yeah, that's good to hear.
1: Yeah, I, I well, as I, I said to you before, Kiko, I didn't think that was the best thing to start with. But our product owner at the time uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> wanted you to, to work on that, sir. So, <laughs> so
0: uh, uh, throw uh, him in the deep and see if he swims. <laughs> <sort> exactly. Of. <laughs> <laughs> or at least floats.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think he might have like uh, uh, forgotten a little about uh, how it is to be new at at the job because he had uh, worked. If I worked for the OTP for a very long time, he had uh, worked like uh, maybe twice as long. So.
0: Uh, <laughs> and there's a an decent bit of. Change going on with the Erlang OTP team as well. Uh, like we, Ingela, we met uh, Co Beam in Berlin.
1: Um, yes.
0: Yeah. And it was you who did the Erlang OTP team presentation. Yeah. Uh, for the, which is usually done by Kenneth.
1: Yeah. Well, What's going on there? Re- he retired. So, uh, so, so, so so
0: he doesn't want to just pop out of retirement and do the presentation. Every <laughs> now and then?
1: No, no, uh, probably not, probably not. Uh, I think he, he, I met him after he retired, and I think he is fairly happy, actually, with being retired. Uh, um, Smart man, but, but I suppose also he did it for such a long time. Uh, so sometimes it's like time to move on uh, to, to a different phase of your life. Uh, I do think he still cares about that. Like it's just like, um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I, I imagine his life is not all airline. So yeah, yeah. I, I think it's fairly reasonable to retire at a certain point. Yeah. Uh, Stephen, if you're not familiar, I don't know if you've been to a Codebeam in Europe and I don't think this happens necessarily at Codebeam in the US. Uh, i don't know do you are the erlang otp updates uh run similarly in code beam sf and stuff
2: no never been to a code beam actually not not a us one not a uh nothing so if anybody wants to sponsor a ticket you know i'll be there i'm down to travel but what what am i missing <laughs> <laughs> so
0: traditionally at least uh in the stockholm ones have been to and uh, the one um well from what I know also the European ones but Kenneth usually ran through like the the changelog of Erlang and OTP and like updates from the OTP team and uh, this was generally a very sort of dry presentation and and he's kind of spiced it up year by year in very tiny increments I love this. and it was exciting yeah. to see and i'm glad he never got it to the point where it's like a singing and dancing show um <laughs> i don't necessarily think he had that in him but that... it was really a kind of satisfying ritual it's like no now we're gonna sit down and we're gonna get the updates from erlang otp and it's gonna be this very straightforward presentation <laughs> Uh, yeah, I appreciated that, but I also no. look forward to seeing what it can be when other people are running it. I mean, hey, <laughs> already more pictures. if somebody, wants, pictures and, if somebody
2: uh, wants to grab the theatrics and go all the way, I would love to see a, you know, Shakespeare, Shakespearean play of the life of a process, Don't Kill Me, No, and then the shutdown <laughs> sequence. I think there's a really beautiful story there, so somebody please run with that.
1: The update is only 15 minutes, so... <laughs>
3: Yeah, but I mean, what's really about tradition, right? So, Ingele, like, I think you need to keep it up and keep it dry so that we maintain the format. Everyone knows <laughs> what <don't have> to <laughs> <put those feelings.
0: laughs> a We, want to, but we it was don't want exciting. people to mistake Let's... the Erlang team for being fun. <laughs> a, we're serious business. No,
1: okay. Well, I mean, if I, I'm going to continue doing it, I will continue doing it my way.
0: Smart. That's usually how, how one should do presentations, do it your way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't I I, th- I don't I think I probably will do it for Code Beam America, but I won't uh alas I won't be able to go there. Uh at least not this year. Uh but but it's like also I, I did two conferences uh, like just uh, this autumn, so so you need like some uh, a space uh, to before you do the next one because you need to to do your normal job also. So, uh, and uh, I think uh, that Ericsson feels that if you should send someone to America, they should do more than a fifteen minutes presentation.
0: Well, uh, I'm sure if. If we talk to the Code Beam folks, we could make it a live podcast as well, and have some some Erlang and OTP folks on it if they are sent there by Ericsson. Um, um, I wonder if Bruce and the gang are going to Code Beam. I'm not sure. I hear Steven goes if you if you sponsor him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I got, right. I got I got I um, got something that's going to keep me grounded yeah. for at least the early part of the year next year, but depending on when it is, yeah. Right. I actually have a question for Kiko. Big release. Um, Yeah, I have a new release coming, yeah. Yeah, early January release. Um, Kiko, so since you started working on the team, so relatively recently, um, and you were coming over from, you know, a light user of Erlang, heavy user of Haskell, you got a chance to have to dive into the internals of, Erlang and OTP. I'm really curious about what are some of those early learnings that you got, what were surprising? Um, what, were, what surprised you that it, it worked? <laughs> just curious to hear sort of like that first moment of diving in deep. Because for the most part, I think listeners are fans of the Beam or users of you know, Elixir, Erlang. And we just kind of trust that things work you know, because they've worked for so long. What was that like?
3: Um, I, I think with respect to uh, functional programming, um, the only thing that surprised me is that you pass atoms around and that can be a dynamic call to a module, right? So that's something that is really dynamic. Uh, I saw it, I think, before in Klarna, and I thought, this is madness. I, I, I don't know what's going on, what call are we doing, basically, because we're calling something on a variable. So I don't, um, But then now with the um, OTP team, I think the the thing that I think is quite unique is the runtime system. Uh, It's something that you are not going to find in any other programming language as far as I know. It's something that is just not like any other programming language. Um, The part about distribution, um, the kind of options that you have for the compiler, uh, tracing uh, a live system, that's something that you're not going to find, I think, right now in, in any other language, apart from Elixir, right, building on top of OTP, but, um, yeah, I would say that's that's the thing that surprised me the most, yeah.
0: Yeah, we talked a little bit about that just before starting the recording, like, I've been digging pretty deep into tracing, and that's something I also brought up when we had the, the live show at CodeBeam, like. I feel like tracing is something we need to push further and use more because I don't think there's anything else that can do it in the way Erlang and the Beam can. And it's just wild. When you start unpacking what's there, like everything, everything is there. It's like, oh, you want the call that was made. Oh, yeah, sure. You want the return. Yeah, sure. You want any exception throws? Yeah, no problem. You want all the messages that have been sent and received for, for some set of processes? No, yeah, no problem. You want memory usage. You want call counts. You want the stack trace? Yeah, no problems. We, we have things for that. And apparently some of those things have been added very recently. Like the stack trace thing I realized was OTP 26 when I dig, dug into it recently. But then there's also like, oh, There's an entire module called sec trace, which is just sequential tracing. What's this? And from what I gather, it's like, oh, if you want to trigger tracing, a kind of different type of tracing, but very similar, for a process that doesn't exist yet, for like a code path that doesn't exist yet, and then you want to follow that process, so you can set up a trace that will trigger sequential tracing, and it's like, Tracing up on tracing, and it's all there for practical reasons. It's like, yeah, but otherwise you can't really get at this information, and in most systems, you just can't, like most systems compile away the abstractions that are kept around in the beam and they're kept around in the beam so that the when the abstractions are still there and like the the fundamental concepts are still like. Yes, there are still processes. They are not abstracted away. There are still messages. They are not abstracted away. It means we can do things with that. We can build abstractions around it and concepts around it that we can use. It's like tracing is wild to me. Yeah, it's,
1: it's very usable.
0: One thing I'm very curious about, Ingela, is how mm-hmm. did you get into the like crypto and SSL part of Erlang? <laughs> like this is the type of code that all developers are told just rely on someone else (laughs) you are that someone else (laughs) and from what i know you are the key person behind crypto in erlang Uh,
1: well uh, well yeah i am uh well um uh actually when I, i started working for the otp team uh uh i think one of the first things I did was to make uh, the ODBC uh, uh, what you call application stable because it was very unstable. Um, but, but that wasn't like a very big thing for Ericsson. Ericsson has never used this application. Uh, it, was, it was used by other companies that were uh, Alang Systems uh, customers at the time. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, so then, uh, I, I did some maintaining of, of INETs, but it was, uh, very unsatisfying because it was never highly prioritized, uh, and it was like, okay, but, uh, you should try to keep it, uh, good enough, sort of, but, uh, we want you to help out with other things because this is not so important. Uh, and this might sound very strange to to, to all the web developers out there. Uh, Who needs also... it?
0: Actually, can you can you quickly outline what is Inet's because it's something I occasionally need to add to my uh, applications list, but I don't know yeah. what it actually does. I think it has to do with the internet.
1: <laughs> yeah well well, well uh, at first it was uh, 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 like uh, they put everything that was um, like uh, we need, kind of need some fly and servers here that are internet related, but uh, uh and uh, they they were lazy, they didn't want to make so many applications, which I think was wrong uh uh. The, so, so there was like uh, an FTP client, a TFTP client, an uh, HTTP client, and an HTTP server. And the server is uh, older than the client. And the client was like, uh, uh, somebody out there wrote a the client and we need one. Uh, but uh, we don't have time to really <laughs> integrate it. So we just put it in there and we don't document it because then we don't have to care so much about it. Uh, But of course we had to care about it and people used it and uh, (laughs) we were like, okay, but we need test cases for this and how does this actually work? And could we make it become better? Uh, So we gradually made it become better, but I still don't think it's the best. Uh, It could, improve a lot if you, if it was prioritized, but nowadays it's uh, okay-ish, I think. Yeah, so is uh, that
0: the HTTP C application? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And INETS itself provides like SSL and... Uh... No. No?
1: No, it provides the HTTP client and the HTTP server okay. nowadays. Okay. Uh um, before it was also the FTP things, but we broke the FTP things out, uh, made them their own applications. Which now they're not uh, as popular
0: anymore. <laughs>
1: <FTP>. <laughs> no, they're they're not as popular anymore, but they are still used. Uh, I think at least the FTP one is still used. I don't know if TFTP is used by anyone, uh, but it's still there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but but they were like. Uh, group together, like, uh, okay, uh, we have this over here and uh, yeah, we need to support it. But it's, yeah, semi important. Uh, And I thought it was very unsatisfying to work with something that was semi important. (laughs) Uh, So so I told my boss, I want to work with something that is important.
0: (laughs) And he's like, no one wants to work on encryption. (laughs) <laughs> here have <laughs> encryption it's important was that what
1: happened up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, did but, you but know what had... you were
0: getting into
1: so it was well I so it was we had the SSL application uh, that was very very hard to maintain uh, and uh, uh, everybody was like making their own solutions, because it was a, a thin wrapper actually of OpenSSL, but uh, uh, so it wasn't mostly OpenSSL's fault, it was, uh, uh, but it, it's hard like to, to, uh, to make good Alang API and, and then like uh, push it all, all the configuration into, to a C C application, um, uh, it's hard to do it really good. <laughs> And uh, so, so, so he said we had this application, and we had uh, uh, this person that was responsible for it that was also uh, retiring soon. And so, so, so he said, "Well, uh, you could, uh, you could uh, make this application better." So I thought, "Well, okay, how do we make this better?" Uh, and uh, so, so, Alan is really good at. Uh, uh handling state machines and uh, uh doing protocol negotiation it's well it's built for that. Uh so I said let's do that. Uh, but uh we won't we don't want to do the really tricky parts. Uh that's the encryption algorithms. Those are the really tricky parts that you shouldn't do yourself. Uh, so so we still use OpenSSL Cryptolink to do that. Uh, and that is number crunching and that is not where I like uh, Yeah,
0: that's that's very fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so but the other parts uh, uh, there. Uh, yeah, I didn't know the TLS protocol, so I started reading the RFCs, uh, uh, but the TLS RFCs are pretty OK. Uh, the hard part was actually doing, uh, the certificates, uh, the PKIX framework, uh, that's in public key.
0: Yeah. Th- there's so much stuff <laughs> in crypto. Uh, like I actually had a bash around the crypto module of public key just recently because I was doing yeah. HTTP signatures, uh, mm-hmm. because I was trying to talk to Mastodon and, uh, that requires signing some stuff. So it's like, yeah, generate a key pair. Uh, mm. Very nice to be able to just generate a key pair with, with like uh, one call to some Erlang function. Uh, but then there's also like, oh, well, I need to expose this in PEM format. Thankfully, there are, there are functions there. But just the nature of PEM is mm-hmm. kind of complicated. So there's a lot. stuff in there so it can do a bunch of stuff so it's like two steps of encoding and two steps to decode back out And uh yeah it's an interesting interesting area and very tricky to know if you're doing things right because i don't know anything about pem i just know i need one
2: (laughs) (laughs) and very high
0: stakes i can't imagine like yeah yeah having to implement all this stuff like What's PKCS? What's oh? Is there a difference between a CRT file or a CER file? No, it's just what's inside them. If they're different inside, like people just make up file formats, uh, and then there's
1: mm-hmm.
0: and everywhere there's something like ASN one being referenced. Like yeah, yeah. I should yeah, probably so... just read the entire documentation, but that's not how I work. I go to the <laughs> function I think I need, and then I read that one.
1: Yeah. Well. Well, I mean uh the asn.1 part uh, is uh, yeah we have an asn.1 compiler uh, in Erlang because uh, uh telecom protocols used asn.1 uh so, so 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 that was uh if we hadn't had that it would have been much trickier <laughs> um, but i think uh, some of the tricky parts with the 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 specs are that the uh, even if it's to find them all and uh, they have them in the RFCs but uh, they like uh, they have headers and stuff uh, in the RFCs that's not part of the the spec <laughs> and so it's uh, you can't just copy paste it and even when you take out the RFC parts uh, uh, you can't be sure that uh, there's no compilation error uh so so we have fixed compilation errors uh in the rfc specs (laughs) Uh, uh, and sometimes the rfc specs uh uh kind of uh are they are lazy so they they copy paste some part of another spec instead of referencing it properly and yeah so so that's a little messy but (laughs) i think we we got it fairly good now
2: yeah, anytime you touch some of that old, old internet stuff, it's always going to get weird, right? Like an old RFC yeah. that you think, you know, one would think that those old things are like, oh, they're like old and really well thought out. But you dig into some of the old protocols, and you're like, oh, they were just making stuff up, right? They didn't have sort of the, the, uh, <laughs> the, ex- I guess the benefit of experience. Really, is what it is. You know, you do the best you can, and I'm sure, I'm sure this is this will be fine. Looking at you, BGP.
0: I think it's. HTTP date formats that is like oh it used to be this RFC but that's been superseded by this and then this and then these two and then these (laughs) it's like just RFCs (laughs) and RFCs where it's like no no that spec was bad so let's let's make a better spec for for the same thing and like pin down Mm -hmm. the problems that that it had and then it's like oh but which which RFC should I conform to (laughs) Uh, how do I actually find the final RFC for this particular topic Uh, and Mm -hmm. is the final one the one in use or is it the thing before the final one Uh, yeah so I'm very curious if you have some um, up and coming things for Erlang and OTP that you'd like to talk about or share Uh, Kiko what have you is there anything you've been working on recently that you can talk
3: about Uh, or is everything secret No, 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 I think everything is in the open. Uh, So I've been working on adding uh, documentation attributes uh, to Erlang uh, together with Lucas. So I've been working mostly on embedding the documentation attributes in the same style as Elixir uh, to the Beam files. He's been helping me with that and also uh, translating our documentation, which is written in XML and passing it uh, through ExDoc. So that we get get it uh,
0: nicely formatted and so on. This is gonna be so good. I've I've like when working in IEX with Elixir, I constantly like just launch it and go age and then type in like a function specification to get the documentation. And being able to do that for the Erlang bits as well will be fantastic. Uh, I think there's some support for that. Already, but it's kind of there are limitations, and I imagine that's what what you're untangling. Uh, and also, moving to X for for the airline docs, like I've learned to work with the airline docs. I'm pretty good with them now, but I really look forward to seeing what X can help with there. Um, so, will this be like the official docs? Will will be X or will they be kind of? both live for a while, or is there a plan there?
3: Uh, So uh, as as far as I know, um, OTP27 will be with uh, exdoc. So we completely remove uh, the old way. Um, So uh, the whole Erlang source code, yeah. The whole Erlang source code is going to have documentation attributes. It's going to be embedded in the Erlang files, and uh, hopefully it's for the best. I think it would be great if IDE is allowed to collapse uh, yeah. the documentation attributes if they get too long. Maybe they already do. I, I don't know. I don't think so.
0: Yeah. We, I mean, we have that in type of inline documentation on Elixir, and occasionally you need to scroll for a bit when you're reading, like, actual Elixir source code because there's a lot of docs compared to the amount of code. Uh, but generally, I think it's a win. Uh, it co the docs and the code very well, at least.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think the user guides will still be in their own files, right? But
3: uh... Yeah, and, and you can uh, refer to uh, or point to files also, so you don't need to write it inline in the source code. So you can do that as well. I, I, I think the big win is going to be using markdown, even though it has its limitations, but it's going to be better than XML. So <laughs> yeah It's going to be more readable think
0: yeah, and some stuff that x stock allows that markdown does not is like I know there's support for doing mermaid charts and graphs and stuff, so you can actually model like state machines and that type of stuff uh, and and kind of show uh show those graphically, which I think can yeah. be beneficial for some of the some of the stuff in there as well yeah,
1: absolutely. I I think uh, the look and feel is going to be the big benefit. Uh, But yeah, I don't like writing XML files either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Like, if it makes it less of a burden to maintain good documentation for the Erlang OTP team, I think that's that's a big win.
1: yeah, but, but I think uh, yeah, as you, we said before, presentation is important, and uh, our current documentation is very eighties or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it definitely definitely works. Like I've I've run into much less comprehensive documentation than the Erlang one. Uh, like mm-hmm. I get my work done when I go into the Erlang docs. Sometimes I scratch my head for a bit following types around and figuring out. Tracing is a good example of this. It's like the trace API, it was a head-scratcher because it's like, you can start a trace here and you can send some options to it. Then you can define a trace pattern where you send in the pattern and more options. And some of those options live in match specs. Actually, most of the really good ones live in match specs and then that's the match spec documentation and it's all a little bit of a head scratcher until you realize that it just makes everything super flexible uh but it's it's a, uh that was a confusing api and uh i think examples examples is sometimes what i miss actually i ran into a bunch of good examples for the public key uh documentation so that was nice um, it was I wonder if that was a user guide I ran into. Just Google and end up in some part of the airline documentation. And, oh, here's here's a ton of examples.
2: I trust this. You know. I know this. I know what this. I know the look. <laughs> that seems legit. Yeah, the the benefit of like look and feel shouldn't be like undersold for sure. Like that's going to be huge. Yeah, I think people coming in and like yeah. when you first get to a page, if it just is not mentally organized, I think that there's just something that you your brain is like, ah, I don't want to deal with this. There's so much amazing stuff in the Beam from the distribution stuff to, again, tracing. But if the docs are, if you're like, let me go see this thing. I know Erlang has this like tracing functionality, but it's just hard to get through. You're not going to invest the time. So I'm really excited to hear that. Um, You know, there's going to be a, a good change to look and feel. I mean, I'll admit it myself. I know sometimes that's, I'm I'm singing my own experience where I'm just like, I know, you know, hot code upgrades are documented. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna, today's not the day to figure that out.
0: I think we all have to refer to Fred for that. I I would expect uh, many people that work on Erlang probably also uh, refer to Fred's write-ups on that, like learn you Erlang, has some really, really good documentation on hot code updates. Uh, Yeah, mobile friendliness will also be a decent boon. Uh, maybe I'm the only one who, who like reads Erlang Docs when my kids are doing something boring, uh, but uh, <laughs> it does happen, and uh, there is a mobile friendly version of the Erlang Docs, and I sometimes end up on it, and sometimes not. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, I don't know how it works. I, I just suffer at the whims of the internet. Um Yeah uh how about you and your and ingela are there any particular pieces of the of upcoming otp orlang or things that you're very excited about
1: well uh i think uh, one thing that will be good uh, is uh we're adding process labels uh so they so that you can um, in your application create uh, non unique labels that Uh, You can see when you look at your process trees in observer for instance and you can also see them in crash reports Uh, so you would for instance for a TLS process you can see like uh, this process uh, is um, a connection to um, www.erlang.org for instance Uh, and this is uh, other process is a connection to some other site. Um, and you could uh, have that information on the process. Uh, so that uh, uh, even um, worker processes that don't have registered names uh, could have some kind of label telling you what it's doing.
0: Uh, yeah, that's super interesting. So, so you can get some idea of what purpose it served before it before it broke your application <laughs> uh. yeah <laughs> uh, yeah
1: uh, and you can uh, set those labels also on your own applications so
0: that does sound interesting how how does that work uh, is it something you set when you spawn them or is it like the process dictionary kind of like you set some internal state from inside uh, the process yeah. or
1: well i well, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a function you can you can you there's a set label uh, uh where you can set your label uh, yeah. to whatever you want to set it to it's a um i mean it should be a fairly short description so that uh, it can but um so that you can see it uh, uh in in observer for instance uh so so you shouldn't like put the gigantic term there but it it can be any term so it it doesn't have to be unique Uh, but uh, normally it would like be a two tuple or something
0: that seems very very useful very very practical (laughs) Uh, I, i look forward i look forward to that yeah i think there might also be so i think the code beam talk you gave presenting the upcoming Erlang 27 changes, mm-hmm. that might actually be out. So if it's out when this episode drops, we'll try to have it in show notes as well, uh, because that's a it should be a good summary of, of the work. Um, we are about running out of time. I'm pretty sure people would be curious to hear if there's any uh, sort of talk about type system stuff, because I know like there's this work in on the elixir side with the set theoretic types and everything and i know during Codebeam there was at least one but i think two talks about erlang type system related things wasn't there
1: yeah uh, at least there was uh, one that uh,
3: Etilizer, uh right i
1: think Annette uh, was giving one i don't exactly. know yeah uh i don't know um how far we got on that, Kiko? You have you had some contact with her, right?
3: Uh, yes. Uh, so after the uh, what was it, code, be Europe or something? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we started to talk to them. So then we have somewhat regular meetings about the work that Etilizer, if I'm pronouncing correctly, uh, is doing. So these kind of security types applied to Ireland. And we're also in conversations with uh, WhatsApp, in this case, regarding uh, Gradualizer. No Gradualizer, no. Equalizer, sorry. You're going to kill me, I think. <laughs> uh, so Equalizer, um, which is a uh, gradual typing uh, in, in the common or theoretical sense, I guess. Um, and we're, we're trying to see, basically, how how can we use them so that we have them for Erlang, but we in the OTP, I guess, we don't married to any one of them either because we need to be flexible so yeah it's, I, I think an interesting uh, an interesting approach and uh, the conversations that we're having probably will lead to something new hopefully yeah. something better yeah. because that dialyzer as much as um, we love and hate <laughs> I think sometimes reaching the limits <laughs> um, it's tricky
1: yeah. to one thing
0: as well yeah, a dialyzer can only do so much. it feels like and then uh, um, I guess the you on the erlang and o t p and also get the benefit of watching whether the elixir experiment works out because uh like Jose has been very clear, like even if he thinks it's promising, it is an experiment and uh, during code, we essentially said like, if it doesn't work out, we'll we'll just cancel. Like, we won't do it. We won't go through with it. But uh, it seems promising. Sure. Yeah.
3: But it's, it's been somewhat integrated into Elixir right now,
0: isn't it? Uh, so, it, I believe the end goal is that it will probably ship with the language uh, as a as something oh. you can run and as something the compiler can run. I'm not sure exactly how deeply integrated, but I believe it will ship sort of as default. Um, but it, it's not there yet. Uh, I know Guillaume is uh, cracking away at it. Yeah.
1: yeah. I saw his presentation actually in in, um, in Seattle, but we were in Seattle at what you call it, ICFP, right? Yeah, uh, in yeah. the Erlang workshop.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah, in the Erlang workshop for the ICFP. So uh, I think that the set theoretic types sounds uh, like a good fit for Alang if you can make it work. Uh, There were some challenges with making it work (laughs) (laughs) Uh, or or making it fast enough at least. Uh, Because uh, I think they said that uh, the analysis were uh, created very large data structures and it takes time. Uh, but maybe you know more about that, Kiko.
3: No, I, I don't know. For, for me, my feeling is that if um, uh, uh, Beppe, uh so uh, from the el- elixir-saturated type type system, if yeah. they can do it, then uh, AT-lycer, which is the airline equivalent, should be able to do it as well. Yeah, Mostly. I don't think... so. <laughs> Yeah. I, I guess you take the risk, and we try to get the benefits, and not fail too often. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I think that's absolutely fair. I, I think Elixir has at times been like a an experimental test bed for things for Erlang that have kind of fed back into language. If nothing else, maybe the documentation will be one example of that. Um, yeah. And like Erlang was the exper- experimental bed for many, many years, way before Elixir even existed. So I think that's that's uh, fair to kind of lean back and be stable and uh, see what shakes out, what actually works and uh, adopt that.
1: Yeah. I, I think Elixir and Alang uh, are good for each other actually. And uh, I think Elixir is so big because of uh, the web community that Ericsson doesn't really uh, understand maybe because uh, ericsson is uh, not a web development company it's a telecom company <laughs> yeah uh, so so I, I mean there are uh, uh but 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 there are there are very many needs in in that uh, come together i think for the industries and the telecom and datacom is like growing to to be one yeah.
0: Like, in uh, the end, it's all services. Like, yeah, I actually gave a talk at ERA Dev uh, this year, and one of the mm. things I drilled down to is, like, so, like, why is... I was presenting Elixir and Erlang mm. in my view to mm. the general population of developers, essentially. And it was, like... So Erlang was always built to do services, and web mm. is services. Web at mm. scale is definitely like, a services problem. Yeah. <laughs> Erlang was always built to handle that. It Not necessarily built out so much in the web direction. Like, there has been a mm. ton of web frameworks for Erlang, but none mm. of them have kind of stuck as a canonical one. Mm. And that's one of the strengths of Elixir, that it has a canonical framework mm. that is pushed forward by the entire community, essentially, in Phoenix. Mm. I actually had had a conversation at a bar with Robert Verding at, during Codebeam where I was like, is there an Erlang web framework you'd consider kind of the one? It's like, yeah, there's Elixir and Phoenix probably. <laughs> like, Okay, I was, I was more going for like it, maybe Nova or maybe, what is it, Chicago typewriter? There are a few, but mm. yeah. <laughs> it was like, ah, if you're gonna do web with Erlang, probably go for Elixir and Phoenix. And I think that's maybe a maybe a healthy approach. Another thing I got really curious about whether it will land in Erlang and OTP eventually was hyperamnesia. So the the transaction handling model that one of the talks at CodeBeam was about, which does which changes amnesia to use CRDTs so that it will. Uh, will it will essentially lose the split brain problem, uh, or the inconsistency problems it has? I know there's a PR about it. Uh, mm. uh, I haven't looked in on it recently, but has there been any discussion? Do you know anything about whether that's that's going to move?
1: The, well, there there are discussions. I I I don't think we can uh, have a conclusion for you right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's
0: fair. <laughs> Oh come on. Come on. Live a little.
2: Just say yes. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and specifically give uh, just, us a date when it'll be just, released. It's fine. No one will hold you to it. Yes. Ericsson <laughs> no officially commits to <laughs> You heard it here first, folks, I'm Beam Radio
0: exclusive. Uh, yeah. No, uh that's very fair. I thought it was a super interesting approach and it seemed healthy. Um, actually seemed like it was faster than the non-dirty commit type of um transactions which was interesting um, but yeah if amnesia got rid of its uh of the the split challenges like if it could reconcile that uh, i think it would see a lot more use because it's it's a really cool thing to have a distributed database shipping in the standard <laughs> library
1: yeah well We'll see. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe there's a need to make a new Venetia. I don't know. Uh, we, we'll see. Uh,
0: you feel like going from, from cryptography to uh, database design. Uh starting <laughs> to get bored in, in SSL. <laughs>
1: well, uh, I don't think I'll get bored uh, in a while. <laughs> okay. there, there's lots of things to do, I think, still. So.
0: All right. I think... Uh, we are a little bit even beyond our suggested time. Uh, so mm-hmm. thank you for, for sticking around. Thank you so much, both of you, for, for coming on the show. And uh, thanks to our sponsors. I guess me, uh, under <laughs> and Thank me, like <laughs> For your feel for <laughs> programmers. Yeah, thank me. Lots of thanks to me now. Uh, and I hope you join us next time on Beam Radio.